Amen. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? How many enjoyed your Thanksgiving? Yeah. All right, you can lie. You can just raise your hand anyway. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, yeah. I, I, can, I can probably imagine there was maybe some of you that uh, had some family that uh, you could probably think, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad this is only a 12-hour period of time. Maybe, maybe there was some family friction at all, maybe, possibly. One of the statements that I found to be very true, and that is this. The more grateful an individual is, the more present you are in the room. I want you to think about that. It's the same thing is very true with, the, with compassion. The more compassionate you are, the more present you are in the room. See, if you're not grateful, if you, don't, if you don't have any respect or have any care or gratefulness for a person, you will not be present in the room. Your mind will be somewhere else. Your attitude will be somewhere else. Your thoughts will be somewhere else. And that will show all over who you are. And that will be totally picked up in the room. But guess what? Christmas is right around the corner. You're going to get another chance. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about compassion. Now, some of you are going to say, well, uh, why are we going to talk about compassion? Because it's actually powerful, more powerful than anger. You know, people said, people think that if I, if I just raise up and allow anger to rise up inside of me, if I allow anger to take over my control and I get angry and I get in your face and I'm going to tell you and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Ever met people like that before? <laughs> it's like, please, you better keep all the pieces you got. Right? I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to blah, 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 and then they vomit all over you. Right? They get all angry. Can I tell you, anger is not the most powerful thing that you, as a human being, as a believer in Christ, that you can utilize. You know what it is? Compassion. Compassion is more powerful than anger. And at the end of the day, you have won a friend, you have won a family member, and you have shown the power of Christ and not the vengefulness that the enemy would like for you to display against somebody and on somebody. Let me share with you what compassion means. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy for another accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. See, Jesus has called us to do that. He's called us to come alongside of widows and orphans. To do what? To alleviate suffering. He's called us to come alongside of individuals who maybe are in addiction. We come alongside of individuals to help alleviate suffering. We have compassion. Compassion is powerful. An individual also mentioned his name, Thomas Merton. He wrote this about compassion. He says, compassion is the keen awareness of the interdependence of all things. Here's the big thing. Many of us think, I don't need church. I don't need God. I don't need you. (laughs) You see, you and I are not called to be islands unto ourselves. It doesn't work that way. 
It never worked that way. God's called us to be interdependent upon one another. When one is down, what happens? Another can pick up. When you're down, maybe I can come pick you up. And when I'm down, hopefully someone will be there to pick me up. See, that is the power of compassion. Let me tell you a true story. Eight people in the backyard celebrating the beginning of a restaurant. Michael is talking with his wife. A man of medium build, wearing a clean jumpsuit, barges in and begins to point a gun at Michael's daughter and Michael's wife. He shouts out, give me all your money or I will start shooting. (laughs) There must have been a bunch of millennials in the room because nobody had cash. And he wasn't going to take any debit card, I guess. So these eight individuals in the backyard, they're talking back and forth. What are they going to do? Well, one of them comes up with the idea. Well, let's try guilt. And so they tell this intruder, what would your mother think of what you're doing right now? His response says, I don't have no blanking mother. All of a sudden, that backyard the the intensity of that backyard just rose 100%. This woman by the name of Christine steps forward and says, hey, we're celebrating today a start of a, a new business. Why don't you have a seat and have a glass of wine? And so he does. Michael at this point offers him the bottle. He puts his gun in his pocket. He grabs a handful of cheese, takes a sip of his wine. He then asks, and Michael says at this point, the the intensity of that backyard just decreased. He then asks, can I have a hug? This is a true story. It happened in in, in, uh, Long Island, New York. Christina, who offered the seat in the, in the wine, went over to, to this man and gave him a hug. Michelle, or excuse me, uh, Michael's wife, goes over and gives him a hug. He then says, could we have a group hug? So all eight people gather around this intruder, and they give this guy a hug. And he says, I'm sorry. And he takes his glass of wine and walks away. (laughs) That is a true story. That is the power of compassion. Not the story of the power of anger. It's not the story of the power of insult or attacks. It's the story of compassion. Compassion is powerful. You see, all of us in this room, No matter how bright you think you are, how wise you think you are, how you have it all together in your life, I can tell you every one of you in this room have these basic 
universal needs in life. You have the need to be heard and seen. You have the need for safety and security. You have the need for attention and connection. Every one of you have those basic universal needs. And how are those needs met? Those needs are met by the power of compassion. We have 50-some ministries here at Harvest. One of the most powerful ministries, which is a new ministry that has just launched this past year, is called the Care Portal. And we're going to share, Mandy Chapman's going to come and share exactly what has been taking place. see this video and hear live testimonies of the power of compassion. To care for the orphan and widow in their time of need to me means to care for somebody that cannot be cared for by anybody else, whether that's a child or an adult, but especially children, because there are so many children out there that don't have families and that are only looking for somebody to love them. Foster care gives kids a home that they've never had and it can change their lives in many ways. To care for the orphans and the widows in their time of need means to see their plight with a sense of urgency. For me, um, children in foster care are orphans and widows could be considered as your single mothers. Um, These individuals are waiting for someone to be Christ to them. And Christ did not stand on the outside waiting for the perfect opportunity or the perfect situation. He was willing to disrupt his life Um, He left his heavenly throne to be with us on earth. And I think that says so much about us leaving the comforts of this life and making sacrifices for those children and for those that are needy and who are struggling. Um, They need someone to see their circumstances critical and our actions have to be. And we, in the everyday and in the practical care for children whose families are dispersed and um, are unable to be together, and we walk alongside parents whose lives are not anything like they pictured it being and who are in the middle of a struggle, and um, not, not just the struggle of not having their children, you know, in their custody or in their home, but also the emotional struggle of 
dealing with the doubts and the self-worth issues of my child's not my home and I'm not able to care for them at this time. And so we walk through a lot of trauma with both sides, the parents and the children. Um, we walk through a lot of, of processing and we walk the journey of growing and choosing to forgive, choosing to have grace, um, choosing to show that redemption is real and that we serve the God of redemption and that despite what the past has looked like or even what your present looks like, there is a God who is waiting to change your story and to turn the chapter and to plot twist uh, everything that's happening in this moment of their life. The Apostle James tells us that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this, to look after the orphan and the widow in their distress. Throughout the scripture, God makes it abundantly clear that he is concerned about the orphan. More than 40 times in the word of God, we are told of his concern for the orphans. David makes it clear in Psalm number 68 that God is a father to the fatherless. But we at the church cannot simply sit back and let God somehow do it spiritually by himself. We are called in scripture to partner with him. Scriptures tell us that we are not only to not take advantage of the fatherless, but instead we are to defend the weak and the fatherless. We are to bring justice to them. And Paul tells us in the book of Acts that we must help the weak. Jesus is clear. Whoever accepts a little one in my name, he said, receives me. And so it is the responsibility of the church to partner with Christ to provide hope and help for the little ones. As the grandfather of four foster children, I know how vitally important it is for us to come alongside and to defend the weak. As a Christian, I think it's important to care for kids in the foster care system because they need hope. Um, you know, once I was lost, but now I'm found, and it was only because of Christ and how he saved me, and how he put his hand on me, and how Christ has a father's heart. and me as a foster parent, as a foster father, as a father, I try my hardest to make sure that I have the heart of a father and to put my hand on a child and to bring them up and to encourage and to love and to be there for them. And there isn't, in my opinion, I don't think that there's anything that might be a little bit more important than, than these kiddos and, and foster care to Jesus. Um, some are lost, some are hurt, some are broken, and all it takes is one person, one family, one hug to to change a life. And we've done it now for a couple of years, and when you do things like that, you get cool shirts like this. That's why it's important to me. People should care about kids so that they get to have an awesome family and a good home like me. We should care for children that are in foster care, whether you're Christian or just a person in general, because that child is looking for love, desire, and attention that they might not get from their own personal family. And it would probably mean the world to them if they could get it from someone with the right guidance and direction to help lead their life. Would you help me welcome this morning, Mandy Chapman. 
Hi, good morning. I am Mandy Chapman, and those are my people. I love all those people. Uh, the the uh, foster papa, that's our oldest son. He's kind of precious to us, <laughs> and we're very proud of him and how he, he and his wife have opened their home. Um, just very, very proud. Um, I have been the regional manager. needs. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I also want to say that this church by themselves, you people have served 31 children and their families. So that is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is just 31 kids, but you think of all the people that they're connected to that by e answering one email, by saying, hey, I have an extra bed. Yeah, that kid doesn't have to sleep on the floor anymore. By saying, hey, I have an extra dresser. By actually just reading an email and praying. It's so important. These are just little ways that we can all do a part to help kids in care and just help them have a more normal life than what they might be having right now. Um, we were also talking about just the overflow of your love, your support, your finances, and just your extra stuff. Just this church alone, they have estimated has given over $11,000 in money and items. And that is incredible. That's because we're blessed. That is because we have more than enough. And God always gives more than enough because we are to be overflowing. So I wanted to say thank you so much. Continue to do that. Continue to pray for these families. Um, I also want to give you the opportunity to meet some of the people behind. to me and our family. And I get to embarrass them a little bit, but just tell them how much we love them. We honor, we honor firefighters and police officers and our military because they walk into the line of fire to protect and to save and rescue. So do these people. So we should honor them. So if you would help me say thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. have a very little gift for you. It's not anything spectacular, but we just want to, you to know that we as a church, myself, we thank you. You have, you all are just amazing. Um, this woman in particular, I would give my life for, and she knows it. I would do not illegal things, but um, close. She is amazing, and she has helped our family be what it is. And I'm so grateful for you, Juanita. You know that. Um, and just so many of these wonderful people up here. Yeah. Miss Laura, right here. The red hair. 
Look at these cute kids. Gosh. I wonder who they belong to. Thanks, bud. Ooh, jump. Ooh. I wasn't sure he was going to make that. Way to go, Asher. <laughs> Ooh. We almost had an incident. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I hope that you guys know how much you're appreciated. I know you don't hear it enough. So thank you. Please keep doing what you're doing. And we're all behind you. And I want you to all say, look at these faces. And please remember to pray for them. Because they do not have an easy job. And it's usually very thankless. So thank you. Yes. Man, if it's all right, I'd like to pray with them. Uh, we didn't do that first service. And, and also during the first service, we had to... Uh, um, Judge Jennifer Rogers was also with us at the nine o'clock service, and uh, it was great to have her here this morning. She deals with that. I know Patty uh, runs into her at the courthouse many times. Uh, but could we stand together and uh, could we disagree? Uh, and, and if you're not familiar, with, we're not going to do anything weird to you. We're not. We just want to pray for you. We're not going to, you know, do any shammy thing on you or anything. <laughs> but just, we just want to bless you, if that's all right. So, that's right. Father, we're so thankful today for each and every one of these. And Father, today we agree with each and every one. And God, today we pray that you would strengthen them, their heart, their mind, their soul, and their spirit. And God, that you would help them not to grow weary, just as your word tells us. Help us not to grow weary in doing well. But God, today, as they serve this community, as they serve uh, Lord, families and children. God, we pray a special blessing upon them and over them, and we ask that all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give a great big hand. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. There will be information out in the foyer if you are um, interested in learning more about foster care or how you can support Luzerne County children and youth and helping them do what they do. Um, also, CASA is out there. John, that was just up here. He's with CASA. Um, if you don't know what CASA is, it is uh, it stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. Um, I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up again. All right. So CASA is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to recruit, train, and support community volunteers who are then appointed by the judge to advocate for the best interest of a child found to be a dependent because of abuse or neglect. CASA, I can speak from personal experience. I don't know what we would do without our CASA. Um, she was one of the most amazing people, just a total godsend, and she just fought so hard for our little guy. So I love CASA. <laughs> Um, I'd like to also take this opportunity. If you are a former child welfare worker, if you have been a caseworker or even an attorney for representing children, any of those, would you please stand? Do we have anyone in the room? No. Okay. We did one last service. Oh, whoa. Thank you. Let's give her a hand for sure. Thank you so much. It is not an easy job, and I'm not sure that you've ever been publicly thanked, but we thank you. Um, and if you are a current or former foster parent, would you please stand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know that it is a... I know it is a very hard job, and it is not something that um, we often sign up for, or we don't have any clue what we're signing up for before we do it. So I just wanted to say thank you for what you've done, how you've in in impacted children and loved on them. Um, so yes, if you have any questions 
about any of the things that you've seen out there or something touched you in the video that makes you go, hmm, I want to get involved. I just don't know how. You can always sign up to receive the emails from Care Portal. Please do that. Um, if you are not on the list already and you're not seeing them, we probably don't have your email. So if there's any other questions, come hang out with us in the foyer after service. Thank you. God bless. Amen. Thank you so much, Mandy. Give her a great big hand. Thank you. As we uh, go back to the uh, other set of, of slides, I, I want to share a text from you for to you from uh, Luke 22. Luke 22. It says a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Now let me give you a little backstory on this real quick. We're picking up on the story where they just got done having the Passover meal. Now you remember the Passover meal on the, the night in which Christ was betrayed. He took the Passover meal and he really changed it. He made it about what he was about to do, his, about his body, about his blood. So they had just got done having what we know now as communion. They just got done having communion and a fight breaks out. Now that might sound like some of your Thanksgiving meal dinners, right? I mean, uh, they just got done having a meal and a fight breaks out. Of who is going to be the greatest? For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? Aha. But I'm among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Now let me pause there. the father has confirmed a, conferred a kingdom to Jesus Jesus says now I am presenting you with a table where I'm going to be at and I'm inviting you to come already Jesus even how even though this fight is breaking out Jesus is already laying before them compassion he's already laying out before them who's greater what is this about? And he begins to refocus their attention. Let's not focus on who's the greater. Let's focus on who's at the table. And I'm inviting you to my table. This last portion of, 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 of scripture is where I want to camp out just for a few moments. Simon, Simon, which is later on going to be known as Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Now, what does that tell me? Wait a minute. Satan needs to get permission in order for things to happen in life? Now, is that the only time we see that in Scripture? No, not at all. How many remember the story when Jesus is standing before Pilate and Pilate sort of ticked off because Jesus isn't responding the way Pilate thinks he should? 
And Pilate gets ticked off and he says, hey, don't you understand I got the power to kill you, buddy? And Jesus sort of says, ah, <laughs> don't you know you have no power over me? Listen, what is he saying? Just because you have my hands bound behind my back and you got a crown of thorns on my head, don't think that you have power over me. He says, you have no power over me unless it's given from above. Now, at that point, Jesus stands there, drops the mic, and walks off the stage. (laughs) You have no power. all of you as we but i have prayed for you simon that your faith may not fail now here is such an amazing statement in this next sentence look at this and when you have turned back strengthen your brothers you know what he just said there he says peter or simon i know what you're about to do is stupid but I know who you are. I know that what you're about to do is going to be dumb. But Simon, I know who you really are in here. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and even to death. And Jesus answered him, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And you even know who I am. You see, that is compassion. Compassion is... You've done stupid things to me. You've done stupid things against me. You've done, you're, and I know that maybe you're about to do something that's totally against who you are, what you are, why you would do that. And Jesus basically said, I'm already going to forgive you and bring you back into relationship and redemption even before you do that thing that's stupid. Come on, that is powerful. Compassion is powerful. You think your anger is powerful? Compassion, oh, outweighs it tremendously. When you and I can look somebody in the face and say what you're about to do is wrong, but I know who you are. As Sarah comes, I want you to see what we learned from this story. This historical, true, factual story. And that is this. It's not about what one does, but who one is. Sometimes we get caught up in what we do. I'm an iron worker. I'm a construction worker. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a judge. I'm whatever the case might be. Can I tell you, God is not interested in what you do as much as he is in who you are. He's not interested so much in what you want to say and maybe talk some good smack. 
but who really are you? He knows who you are. I'm thankful that before, before God even knew me, he said, Ray, I know what you're going to do. But I know who you are. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel as though, I don't know how a loving God, a holy God, could take me as I am. And I want to tell you today, that is, before you did that thing, before you committed that crime, before you went and ran to that addiction, before you ran off and did whatever, God knew who you are. To me, what's powerful is, before Peter even committed the sin, he already redeemed him. And all that happened, think about this, all of that happened in one statement, in one setting. I see it's going to happen, but my compassion is big enough to redeem what you're going to do. I want to leave you with this thought. What would it be like if we saw people and situations with the eyes of compassion like Jesus did? Not the mistakes, but the potential of what could become. Husband, what happened if all of a sudden you looked at your wife, you looked at your girlfriend, and you said, I, I know what you've done, but I want to look, and I, I, God's given me the capacity to see what you can become. Husband, you look at your wife, wife, you look at your husband, and you, you say, I, I've seen what you have done, but I see the potential of the capacity that you have of what can be. See, that's incredible compassion. Maybe when you look at an employer or, or you're an employee and you maybe you've been wronged in some way. What happened if, as a believer in Christ, we rose up with compassion? What happened if we rose up with compassion and began to give people the benefit of the doubt before we went very quickly to judgment and ridicule and looking down and saying they're wrong and this is wrong and it should be this way and it should be that way? Could it be you don't know the whole story? Could it be that you don't see in totality? But maybe the Holy Spirit could give us that insight and that understanding that we could see the potential in people. 
Maybe you're here this morning, you need to see the potential in your kids. You see all they've done wrong. You've seen all the things that they've said. You see all the things that they've done bad. You see all those things, but when was the last time you saw their potential? And you express that compassion. And healing happened. The ushers are going to come, and we're going to close with communion. And as we do today, maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you're not used to a public and open communion. I want to tell you today, you don't have to be a member of Harvest in order to partake of communion. The cup and the, and the bread is, are symbols of what Christ has done for you and I. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor, I don't know if I understand the Bible, if I believe the Bible. I don't know if there is a God. I don't know if there's really a Christ. I don't understand this whole church thing. But yet you're here. And before this time of communion's over, we're going to pray and we're going to solidify some of those doubts that you might have. We're going to solidify and answer some of those questions that you might be struggling with within your spirit, in your heart, in your mind. We're going to solidify those things. And God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, is going to come and His presence is going to come and usher in some grace and some mercy and some understanding and some wisdom and some insight. And God is going to bring some peace that maybe you did not have before. We're going to sing this song that the choir did just last week called The Table. Or as we sing that song, as we pass the cup and the bread, I encourage you to just join along, sing along with it, and just let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to you. I just let the Holy Spirit just drop something in my spirit. And, I, and I, I'm going to add, Jake, would you join me up here for a moment? I didn't talk to him about this, so I, I promise, Jacob, I'm not going to embarrass you. But you know me, so you, I, I'm not going to do that too, uh, too badly. Give a great big hand to Jacob, please. How are you, sir? Good, how are you? Good. They didn't serve you yet? No, no. No, okay. We'll, we'll get you. I promise. This is Jacob. 
Jacob got saved. Uh, how, how many months ago did you get saved now? About three? Yeah. Three or four months ago? Yeah. Okay. And, and, and Jacob, before that, was an atheist. Didn't really believe that there was a God and didn't really, could sort of just blew it off. Like, eh, yeah, okay. You know, take it, leave it. You know, have you run into the individuals like that? You know, just sort of take it and leave it and all that. And I just felt the Lord just sort of, I know many, some of you already know that, that story of, of Jacob and, and how God really just turned his life around and all that. But one of the things, and, and I felt really the Holy Spirit burden uh, you in my heart, and I want to pray with you because God's calling him to become a missionary. And, um, and I think that's just so cool. And I, I want to do everything we can to help make that happen for you. And wherever God calls you, you know, uh, you look at those dots on that board over there. Those are all the missionaries that we support around the world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, for the past couple of years, it's been my heart is I want to see missionaries. I want to I raise missionaries up out of our own house here to, to go and, and, and to spread the gospel. And it'd be so awesome if you'd be our first one. And I really want to see that happen. A man who blew off God, blew off the things of the God and the Bible and, you know, a bunch of men wrote it and it's a bunch of hogwash and, and, and God just changed his heart and his, and his mind and, and showed him. I love it when God shows up and shows off. What a home run. Woo! You know? Ouch, right? Yeah, go to Bolivia. Yeah. But I want us to pray for Jacob because what I want you to see is a sign of, of healthy disciples in a healthy church is when we start replicating ourselves. Is that when disciples are raised up and we send them out. That's a sign. That's a sign of healthy church. Many times, I, and I've told people this when, when, when we go through your code, and that is you got to provide the passion. I've, I've run across some individuals that they want me to provide the passion and the platform. I'm no, 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 no. I become Italian all of a sudden. It doesn't work that way. You, you got to provide the passion. If you provide the passion, I can help create the platform so that you can become what God wants you to become. I don't say that arrogantly. I just, I just, I just say that that's the call of God upon my life. My job is to provide you all who have a passion, a platform to do what God's called you to do. That's my job. That's Ephesians 4. That's my job. That's my call to provide the platform. That's Pastor Jack's job, call. That's Pastor Chris's call. And so today I want to pray with you, and this body is going to pray with you, that God is going to raise you up and put a burden upon your heart for a people group, whether it be a nation, whether it be America. Has God given that to you at all? Not yet? Not yet. Well, we're, praise the Lord. Maybe that's why you're here today. We're going to pray for that. God gives you that passion to do that. Can we all stand to our feet? And I want you just to stretch forth your hand. Pastor Jack, if you want to join me, please. And, and, uh, and uh, if Pastor Chris is here, I, I don't know if he's here. Patty, why don't you give Pastor Jack the mic and he can pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you so much, Lord. <laughs> we thank you for the call of God. Oh, we thank you for the call of God. We thank you for Jake 
And we thank you that you're drawing his heart. Yes, Lord. That you're stirring up something within him. There's a stirring within him, oh God. And uh, it's a it's a high calling. Oh God, I have always believed that missionaries are the royal subjects of the kingdom. Oh God, and uh, we pray uh, that you will just continue to speak to Jake. And that he will know that still small voice speaking to his heart. He'll know this is the voice of God. And oh, what irony, such irony. A man who could care less about God. A man who could care less about whether there is a God. Now beginning to hear the voice of the God he once cared less about. Oh my, oh my. That can only be you, God. That can only be a work of God. And so we pray that that work will continue in this heart, in Jake's heart, and that it will come to fruition. It will come to full form. It will come to a fullness. Oh, I think of that word that says, first the seed, then the blade, then the ear, and then the full ear of corn. And I pray that as this seed has been planted, it will just continue to grow. And Jake won't have to worry about where to go, what to do, or how to do. God, you have it all figured out already. You have it all planned out already. All he has to do is just keep drawing near to you, keep allowing you to speak to his heart. We look forward, God. We look forward to the work that you're doing and will continue to do. And we give you all the praise, you all the glory and all the credit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Can we get get him some uh, communion? Beautiful. I promised you that. See that? I'm not lying to you, brother. I'm not lying to you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. You can go have a seat if you like. Yeah. That's, that's, or you can stay here too. That's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you just don't know what this is all about. Let me tell you very, very quickly. On the night in which Christ was betrayed, they were reclining on the table. Jesus took bread. He broke it. Now, this was a typical Passover meal, but he made it an untypical event. He took the bread and he broke it and he, he passed and he says, this is my body which should be broken for you. He fulfilled a prophecy from Isaiah that said that there would become a man, there would come a man and he would be the Messiah and he was going to take away the sins of the world. And by every stripe bore upon his back, you and I would be healed. Right now we have a Steve Zanetti. He, he had a massive uh, surgery on his, on his abdomen. Uh, we want to pray for him, and we want to pray for uh, Matthew Cardinelli. He had his tonsils removed, uh, but for the past six, seven days, he's been in, in a, a lot of pain and not very, not finding comfort. There might be some needs here this morning. strategic and powerful about confession to be saved you must confess to be healed you must confess to be delivered you must confess there's power in confession Romans to overcome the enemy Romans 12 11 we overcome the enemy how by the blood of the lamb and by 
the word of our testimony, by what we confess. Half of that, I have no control over. It's the blood of Christ that's applied to my life. However, the other half, I have complete control over. I overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and that which I confess. What have you been confessing over your life? Oh, my life is awful. Oh, this person is awful. Oh, these people I work with is awful. If you hang around uh, the cooler, the, the, the cooler long enough, you're gonna, they're going to rub off on you. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you said, oh, how can I soar with the eagles when I'm hanging around a bunch of crows, right? What are you confessing? By his stripes, you are healed. And I want to pray with you that healing would come to every aspect of your life today. That a seed would be planted for your tomorrow. Can we pray that together? Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, right now, individuals that are maybe here. Again, Father, maybe some of them believe, don't believe, don't know what to believe. We're in a problem, coming out of a problem, about to go into a problem. We don't know. But God, we do know. We do believe. And Lord, I know there's men and women in this place that believe. Father, I pray pray that you'd raise a level of faith in this house. That God, that you would help us to recognize that you are our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, our soon-coming King. And we lift this bread up to you and we pray and we ask, bring healing to my situation, to my life. Some are maybe asking in faith. They don't even know who they're praying to, but they're asking in faith, in belief, in hope. And God, I know that you're going to respond and that you're going to answer that request, that, that call for help. I pray that you do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Now here's where it gets interesting. In like manner, he, Jesus took the cup and he said that this cup is a cup of a new covenant in my blood. Again, the Passover meal that has been done for generations, but he's making and establishing something new. How many is ready for something new? He says every morning is a new day, a new season, a new season for your life. When you wake up in the morning tomorrow, it's a new season. You have a new set of opportunities to express compassion. And all that happens through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says he can remove your sin, your guilt, your shame as far as the east is from the west. You can lay your head down tonight and not have to worry. You can wake you up tomorrow morning and not have bags underneath your eyes because you could not sleep. God is able to give you a peace that goes beyond human understanding. And if you're here this morning, you would say... Maybe like Jake did many months ago. Maybe you're sort of kicking the tires, sort of seeing if this thing's real or not. Maybe you grew up in it. And we begin to take it for granted. I've seen that happen too. Because we've been hanging on the shirt tails of mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, but we haven't had our personal experience. My prayer is today is that before you leave this place, that you have a personal experience with Christ. God's not interested in a religion. You think I'm trying to feed you a line of religion? You're not, you're not picking up what I'm laying down. 
I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about receiving compassion, grace, mercy from God who loves you, created you, formed you, fashioned you, gives you purpose and gifts and abilities and says, now go use that for my honor and glory. And we say, yes, sir. So Lord, we stand here today and Father, I I just know that there might be individuals here this morning we might be kicking the tires or might be not sure about this. We've been, we grew up in it and started hanging on the shirt tails of mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. But God, today I pray, Lord, just as I had to have that personal experience, and I did, I pray that every person in this room has a personal encounter with the holy. I pray that everyone in this room has an encounter with the Son of God not a religion but have a relationship and this relationship was established by the blood of Jesus Christ and so Lord we thank you for the bread we thank you for the cup and we pray Lord Jesus today that you would open our heart and our mind and and while every head is bowed and every eye closed I'm going to ask you seven people raise their hand for the very first time with your head bowed and eye closed I'm going to ask you today is there anybody in this room you would say pastor I have never asked Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. I want to make him, and I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. Don't worry about who's around you, beside you, in front of you. But I want you, when I hit three, I want you to raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. And today, yes, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. One, two, three. Just put it up and put it down if that's you. Yes, 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 yes. You can put it up and just put it down. Seven people during the early service raised their hand. Three here this morning raised their hand. I want We're going to pray collectively here this morning. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Pray this prayer together with me right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we accept you as our personal Lord and Savior. Many times we live in doubt, in fear, and in unbelief. But Lord Jesus, would you quicken my spirit? Open up my heart and my mind to receive everything that you have for me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I accept you today. I open my heart. I open that door. And I receive you. Help me to walk my faith out every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. Well, saints, it's been great to be together with you and some of you making that decision today to accept him the best thing you've ever done